Welcome to the Watford Buzz Pod. Matt, Jordan and Tom in situ here to discuss the start of another new era as the Hornets lost. Chris Wilder's first game in charge, 1-0 away at Queen's Park Rangers. First of all, though, I'll start off with yourself, Jordan. Everything well there? I understand the clock's changed recently. Yeah, clock's changed apart from that earth-shattering situation. I'm, I'm doing well. And uh, yeah, third time, third time in seven days we're doing this, isn't it? It's quite a few podcasts yes, we've had, yeah. so... Uh, yeah, glad to be back again, and plenty to talk about as always. Tom, are you okay despite the score? Yeah, I'm, I'm hanging on in there, Matt. As I was beguiling you and Jordan with the tales of my FM woe uh, prior to recording, so I'm, I'm living a, a living nightmare online and uh, in real life regards what for at the moment. So follow my Twitter for more <laughs> yeah. of that. There's no escape. Oh, go on, Tom. What's a brief summary? Um, basically, football manager is very realistic up to a point. Hamza Chowdhury gets booked a lot. Loads of players get injured. I missed out on promotion. But Raymond I is brilliant. So we may have screwed that one up. Oh, no. How brilliant are we talking? We're talking 26 goals, Matt. And a Crikey. fat three-year contract extension for... He couldn't hit a barn door in real life. <laughs> well, exactly. So, we'll, Ray, we never knew you. Well, I mean, there's a chance he's coming back, isn't there? I mean, that's that's what I've heard. Apparently so. I mean, can you see it? I was going to say, let's see about next season. Don't talk too Yeah, soon. that's it. I don't, I don't know how much he'd want to come back at this stage. So what, what's fair, the actual so. report? It was that um, he's been released, but only <laughs> if he finds a club, otherwise he's back in the summer. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Essentially, that it's, always, it's a bit of a tricky one. Um, you can tell we're doing anything to avoid talking about the game. But um, he, via Sport Witness, who seems to take a lot of kind of foreign reports and translate them. So, you know, obviously these things kind of take them with a bit of pinch of salt but yeah that seems to be the gist of it but then I've seen a subsequent report that's saying he might go to Udinese which to be fair also makes sense so I don't know what did they see of him at Watford that made them think that they should put him at a higher level <laughs> what Udinese could do with them yeah exactly so yeah so there you go Raymond I top that if you can when Raymond I's contract situation is the more pleasant thing to discuss you know you know it's going to be a, a somewhat of a unimpressive performance we're about to discuss but I'll let you carry on yeah yeah let's get back to the matter at hand um a new manager then and uh, a new system uh, I, was, I was I was watching um the uh, the opposition manager's uh press conference and he was basically saying that uh, he was he was very upset when this news came through because uh, he had to basically throw his tactics board to the floor and and start again but uh, he needn't have worried he needn't have worried because uh, it, it was going to be Watford turning up no matter what formation they played. However, we should talk about it. So, um, what was the new system, Jordan? Uh, well, it was essentially what we kind of predicted. Um, three five two, essentially. I mean, Joe Pedro playing a little further forward. So, uh, in that kind of attacking midfielder role. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a tough one. I think what, what we discussed in the previous podcast too, we're going to see elements of, what Chris Wilder does but it is such a you know at its peak it's a relatively complex system so we're never really going to see it fully in the first game you know a few days later so it's kind of a weird you know kind of jammed in positions and things weren't quite right and it was just you know they were lining up in that in in that manner but when it came to the execution it came to you know, transition and all these aspects, it wasn't really very functioning. It was quite ugly in a lot of ways. But, you know, what we are looking at is a, essentially a, a three-five-two, Or you can debate the terminology slightly if you want to count Pedro as a kind of more further forward attacking player. Mm. 
Two changes involved in that from the last starting eleven that was uh, under Slaven Bilic. That included Mario Gaspar and Keenan Davis coming in for James Morris and Enrique Arouge. Uh, you, you said uh, that you, you expected that James Morris might be uh, an unfortunate um, uh, loser from the new system. And, and so it at least initially appears, Jordan. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think once that position becomes, once that depth chart kind of gets pushed together between left back and left wing and you have that kind of in between where you've got players that can play both, I think, you know, he falls further down that pecking order and suddenly it's not, he's not fighting one other guy for a starting, starting position. He's, start, he's playing against at least two. So, yeah, he's going to fall out there and I think Ken Semmer's going to be, you know, he's, he's going to, he has the potential to hold down or keep that role, but you know it's going to be interesting to see when Kamara's fully back available if uh, if a change will be made there or not. You know, as, as I said just a second ago, there's a few um, square pegs and round holes. I wouldn't necessarily say, say that Semmer's one of them, but he does for sure make it more more difficult for for Morris to find that that spot in the first team. On the other side was Mario Gaspar, who um, didn't have the best of games. I mean, no one particularly had a great game out there, but um, Mario Gaspar looked like uh, that position might be a bit too much for him at least at least to my mind what did you what did you make of him tom yeah it's funny isn't it he's he's obviously had a bit of a kind of rehabilitation in recent weeks having played well um only to then obviously get dropped last weekend for craig cathcart and decision that we all kind of with hindsight came to question back in because he is the more natural fit out of him and gakia i suppose but it does feel like a bit of a regression to the start of the season where he arrived and was kind of crowbarred in there at right wing back under Rob Edwards and it was very apparent that he wasn't comfortable getting forward, carrying the ball forward, etc, etc. Um, but to be honest with you, we didn't have enough of the ball and we didn't build up in the way that exposed that, I don't think, overly. It was the fact that um, Osman Kaikai just absolutely seemed to be, or they seemed to be targeting everything down his side through Osman Kaikai. Certainly in the first half, it seemed to be just down that touchline the entire time, just getting at him and, and really, um, you know, ca- causing problems. And um, in that respect, it was, yeah, definitely not his best game. I think he is very much keeping that position warm for Joao Ferreira, isn't he? Um, as soon as he's back, albeit defensively, I don't know how comfortable I feel about him. He is the much more natural fit for a, a winger. There was the role. initial, well, not the initial, but there was the possibility that Saar might be able to play that role. What do you, what do you think about that one? Nah, you're all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. I'd rather see him awkwardly crowbarred in up front than a right wing back. What about you two? I mean, I think that. I mean, just kind of to start off on, on Gaspar because it kind of ties into that. I think, unfortunately, Gaspar's just not. He's not really at the stage of his career, right? I want him to be that right wing back that has to has to play so advanced. I think under Edwards, you know, before we got a chance to see him as well, currently, you know, there's a thought he could do. And I think Edwards' use of the right wing back, he he was a little bit more lopsided. He was we've seen in the past that he's used kind of one side more than the other. You could kind of have Gaspar as that more defensive sided right wing back. But for what Wilder wants to do, or what I imagine he wants to do. I think he's going to favour the the more mobile players that can get into you know basically be box to box effectively, uh, and we saw it a few times. And as he said, Tom, it's kind of hard to kind of really kind of take too much away from that because he you know 
didn't really get a, a good opportunity within a, a system that's kind of ticking and, and he's the odd one out. It just was a bad kind of game in general for them. But I think with Saar, he does offer you the mobility at least. It, you could debate how much defending has to be done from that position. I guess it depends on the opponent too and maybe situationally you might find an opportunity for him to play there. I don't know if you, if you want that from Saar. If you, I think clearly the fact that Wilder played him in the, the more forward position suggests that that's not his primary choice. But you know he's got the he's got the potential to possibly play there. It's just going to be a, a big ask to really kind of change that play style. Even though he does offer sign defensively, uh, he would have to play with a little bit more discipline, and it would be a, a much much different role than what we've seen from him uh, before. But I mean, look, we were in a situation where Wilder's got to make some some things happen, and. You know, it's not completely out of the realms of possibility that we see some more unorthodox positional changes as we go through these last few games. Mm. The new formation then meant a switch to a back three rather than a back two. Um, how did you find that, Tom? Did you think it, it worked for you, the, the back three? As a collective, I don't think it was without its faults. And I also wonder if, goal mightn't have happened if we had a back four or a centre-half pairing. And there were definitely a few instances of people being just dragged horribly out of position. I think it was in the second half. Craig, oh, much had been towards the end of the first half. Craig Cathcart just came kind of hairing out of nowhere and, and, and left a load of space in behind that they duly nipped into. Um, I don't think it was anybody's kind of best day in that respect um and yeah the the goal i just wondered yeah if that would have been not pre- you know it, sh- it should have been preventable regardless but mightn't have happened if there was a back four who didn't have a good game and either and kind of continues his downward trajectory from that really promising start so it's one game I, you know, we said on the previous pod, you're not expecting Chris Wilder to be able to kind of download his full plan on them in 11 weeks, and you're, you're certainly not expecting them to pick it up and hit the ground running with it after a week or less than. It's probably going to be two sessions, three most. Um, I think it was two. There you go. But it's also not like they haven't played back three this season either, albeit a while ago and in a fairly inglorious period. So just wasn't good, was it? One thing I will say about the back three, if there was any positive, and it's you know maybe it's not even a positive, but we didn't we didn't end up with that same possession through the back line as we've seen quite heavily under Rob Edwards. We were very direct, which didn't exactly work for us, but at least we tried something different. And I would say we got the we got this uh, the outside centre that's quite high up the pitch uh, to receive possession, so we weren't at least getting bogged down there. It still wasn't good, mind you, and I think you know we touched on Hoot there as well. He gave away the ball a lot. His possession was really bad, I thought, considering that's one of his stronger points. But you know, in general, we were very direct. I think we played, uh, yeah, just looking now, we played seventy-one long balls kind of in, in that game. We went, which is more than we would tend to. Uh, we were quite aggressive in, in in trying to get that ball forward quickly, and nothing really stuck, obviously. But uh, in, in terms of the back three, it just it it, it just didn't look um, it didn't look very coordinated, it didn't look very cultured I would say in, in kind of his execution but you know there are players that are cap- I think there are capable players within that squad to execute a back three but 
you know, maybe it's going to take a little bit of time just to kind of get used to, to, to what's expected of them to to A, defend obviously properly. I mean, that the, the goal we conceded was just bodies getting drawn to the ball, but no one really being able to make too much of a difference and have an impact on the actual shot. But in terms of using the ball and kind of starting that build up from the back and, and kind of consistently getting it forward, you know, that's hope, hopefully something that comes with a little bit of time and, and some you know, practice. The midfield of, of Loser and Chowdhury seems dominated throughout the game. We've, we've ideally got the, uh, the the two players that we want in those positions available and fit now. So why are they not able to to work together in the way that we were hoping they would? I mean, I'm not sure what you thought on this, Tom, but I think it's just, I mean, A, they're often, rece- they're often receiving the, the ball in difficult situations a lot of time the ball was being played forward quite early from the back so they were picking up loose ends and you know getting onto the ball in some different situations weren't necessarily receiving it from the back three and because it wasn't really being fed into them as much but I think when you are playing that way especially with Pedro offering quite a lot in attack they kind of have to be a little bit passive and, and have some discipline to stay deep obviously Chadri does that anyway um, he's quite all action as we know but I, I just don't think it's the best base for uh, for uh, that sort of setup in terms of using those players to to kind of get on the ball and actually distribute, I don't think it really kind of lends itself to it. What we saw with Wilder at Sheffield United, you know, when he's you know, more successful at times, he has that deeper player as kind of his his quarterback is the guy spraying the ball around, and just with that kind of two, the kind of next to each other positioned centre midfielders, you don't really allow yourself that space and that time on the ball. Generally, you want that guy to have a lot of time on the ball, and he can be the one that. You know, dictates the tempo and, and and gets most things started, but we didn't really allow ourselves that. And QPR were obviously good to it, but stopping that as well, uh, they were able to kind of plug that gap quite quickly. And you know, they flagged a little bit towards the end. But as you say, we struggled to really have any sort of authority in that midfield, not from so much like a ball-winning perspective, but from a you know retention of possession. And then when you have it, doing something positive with it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't great, although I think there's still two options that could be used successfully. I think against QPR, it just didn't, just didn't look good. And you can also put that down maybe to um, to kind of what's going on around them as well. It's one of those situations, you know, it's a it's a fluid kind of kinetic sport. So if you have one area func- not functioning properly, it does have that chain reaction. Then suddenly everything's starting to fall apart. And I think that's kind of really what we saw um, against QPR. Would an extra body in that area help us, Jordan? Yeah, I think it's a possibility that I think, you know, there's, I get the idea to play Pedro deeper and we discussed this, didn't we, in the last podcast where we, you know, maybe put put Pedro and I'm trying to think if it was something we discussed now too, but I believe it was anyway, um, in regards to having that extra body, I think, you know, having that, that base, that player at the base of that midfield being the guy on the ball, I think is important, having someone that's comfortable in possession and giving yourself passing options ahead, you know, you can give them some freedom to get into the box and support. You know, if you've got, say, a Kone or a loser playing in that position or, you know, whoever you like, really, someone getting forward and, and trying to contribute in that way, I think is a positive way of playing that midfield. I think it gives you a few different options in possession. You know, we had more of the ball yesterday. I think we ended up with around 60% of the ball. Um, but not much of that was meaningful within the central midfield. So adding an extra body and, you know, with Hamza Chowdhury being out the next game, uh, through suspension then there's a possibility we do see a change in there anyway so it might not be fully kind of adapting to having three central midfielders you might still have to see Pedro there but the base of that midfield is, is going to be different you'd imagine 
Yeah, disappointing that suspension because I felt as though the, the challenge that he got the yellow card for, he actually made a pretty fair challenge. I don't know if you you noticed that. Yep. Uh, there was, yeah, I didn't think there was anything too wrong in that. I uh, actually um, kind of felt like uh, he overall had a, a poor game, uh, but I do think we're going to miss him because I just don't think we've got anyone else like him. Um, it, I think to kind of go back slightly, the um, the point that Jordan made about how we were kind of bypassing them, I suppose, the midfield two didn't help either of them, and certainly not loser. You know, you don't want Chowdhury on the ball much, but there were a few occasions where he gave it away in iffy positions as usual and then had to kind of win it back. Um, and, you know, going over loser's head and playing it forward early like that is not the way to to get the best out of him. I don't I don't know if he's also loser, the kind of most mobile player either. And I wonder if you need a third guy in there for for that reason. That And I should just say that was a question that uh, we were asked ahead of the um, ahead of the, the, the show tonight by Mikey Abrahams. Would a 3-5-2 make more sense? Um, so Jordan touched on that a second ago. But yeah, I... <sighs> We're going to miss Chowdhury, I think, and there's evidently no sign of Kayembe coming back either. So suddenly, if we are to go with a midfield three, we're, we're quite light in there again, aren't we? Yeah, Kayembe's done for the season, so... Yeah. Um... Who do you think is the best is the best choice to replace Chowdhury for these next two fixtures, then? <laughs> Kone? He's probably going to go Kone. Yeah, got to go Kone. Kone. Keep Jao Pedro as that deeper player. Yeah, I think it's. It, I think we're going to see. It has to really be a, a midfield. Most well, we'd imagine now it'd be a midfield three of um, of loser Kone and Pedro. So do you think that he'll 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 drop Pedro back into towards sort of the midfield then, or or you just? I, I think you'll probably see Kone alongside loser in midfield. I, I think that's most likely kind of more of a you know obviously they they kept him moving throughout the game, but I think generally they're going to be operating to try and create that that kind of more stable base and then you know you play forward it's very similar to when you when you play a 4-4-2 now we were lucky when we played a 4-4-2 under Javi Gracia we had you know exceptional midfielders in those positions when you have those two guys occupying that central midfield they have to be more disciplined they have to be you know very precise they can't overcommit going forwards it does definitely limit you a little bit in possession you've just got simply less options so you're asking you're asking Pedro to help out quite a bit and you know he can he is capable of doing that um what I will say about Pedro playing in that position, you know, he, he carries the ball a lot. He got a lot of dribbles yesterday. I think he got 10 dribbles in that game yesterday. Um, one of the issues with it, you could argue, is, you know, when you do play it into Pedro, it's very rarely coming back into midfield from there and you're kind of starting a, a pattern of play, a build-up. It's generally you get the ball to him, he's turning and, he, he's, turning and he's carrying. And he's beating players, so it works. But in, in terms of making that midfield look better or, or helping with that possession, you know, it's a different way of getting that ball forward. So... If you've got him playing in that more kind of midfield spot where he's dropping deeper, then I do expect the two behind him to to kind of be the the ones tethered a little bit more to the to the defensive line and offering some cover and trying to get things started from a little deeper than maybe you'd want. Okay, um, we saw um, a, a two up front system that we haven't seen for. I'm not sure if we've seen it at all this this season. Even when Edwards was playing three five two, was he was he? Was he actually playing two strikers together or was it more like a one-on-one? 
Um, I think it was, yeah, I think because Jao Pedro was coming quite deep, it was, there was even a 3-4-3 at some point with um, with Edwards as well. But, but in this but, case, uh, it was it was more of a 3-5-2 with the two strikers playing together and he decided to go with Ismaili Assar as, as the partner to, to Keenan Davis. Uh, what did you make of that, Jordan? Did that work for you? It's difficult. I mean, the the discussion we've had with Saar playing at strikers, you know, it's, it, it was quite a common one for a while, wasn't it? Because he, he was playing that central role um, under a few different managers now. But it, it's a tough one. I think he has a tendency to go wide. There's, there, I can't think of much interplay between Davis and Saar uh, during the game, which is kind of what you're, you're hoping that you might see by having that kind of front two partnership. It, it didn't particularly work. There was a couple of times, what I will say about Sarah is there's a couple of occasions which he he came deep into midfield to pick up the ball, took a touch, you know, laid it off or spun and, and you know, turned out and drove forward. And that was much more likely we want to see from him in the central position. But there were a lot of times too where he was kind of isolating himself. He drifted out a little wide too much at times. And, you know, it, it's difficult because you want him to be someone, and he plays in that forward position, you want to be threading him through and getting him on those one-on-one chances. But, we weren't really able to kind of have enough again, enough meaningful possession to really carve out those sorts of opportunities. So he was, you know, feeding on scraps and offering into in, into the wider channels and just trying to find space to get on the ball. But it wasn't it wasn't a particularly great setup for him. And you know, I think also his strike partner, I thought Keen Davis was really particularly poor again. So it probably didn't help either. It it, it wasn't pretty, and it's it's tough when we're analysing these positions, these performances, because it was a bad collective performance. So. It, it it's difficult to judge, but it, it definitely didn't click. It wasn't as effective as, as Chris Wilder would have wanted it to be, I'm sure. Mm. Particularly bad in the first half, but in the second half, we saw a little bit of an improvement. Yes, a little bit of an improvement, exactly. Um, if the game against Preston, or if the first half against Preston last weekend was just so boring, it was painful because nothing happened, then I don't know what the adjective to a polite adjective what is to describe that first half I think I think somehow it was worse because stuff happened but we were just so 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 poor um improved in the second half yes definitely there was a bit more urgency um there were a couple of bit moments where we sort of we did kind of move the ball and, and link up quite nicely there was one where I think it was Keenan Davis played one two with Pedro and then he got in but kind of probably held on to it too long um but throughout that game as was the case against Preston just a complete and utter lack of kind of coherent build-up play or attempt to construct or obvious kind of patterns of play and attempt to construct anything um we had two shots on target the the stats say one of those was the loser free kick which was just straight into the hands of Senny Dieng right at the mm. end uh, of yeah. the first half. And then the other one was the Gaspar header, which only comes about because Hoot kind of strides forward, thinks sod it, screws one along the floor, hits a QPR foot and bounces up into the path of Gaspar, just sort of gently nudges it into Dieng's hands with his forehead in a kind of polite way. Um, that's not a di- you would have been worried it was too light if it was a back pass in the centre back. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It's not necessarily a dig at Gaspar, but just to really make clear that it was not a chance in any. You know, it was just yeah. It was only marginally better. It was just it was just really rubbish. And 
you know, as I said, don't expect Chris Wilder to have kind of worked miracles in two training sessions. Of course not. Um, I, don't, I don't think anyone does, and I don't think any frustration was aimed at him yesterday. Not serious frustration from people that got brain cell anyway. Um, but um, I do think that it's worrying that a group of players that have essentially been told, look, one last crack, 11 games, let's roll up our sleeves and do it. Um, the prize is Premier League football, you know, prestige, cash, etc. Chance to get out of Watford, perhaps, if that's what's your motivator. Uh, and they couldn't lift themselves even in the slightest against the team that, as we said at the top, had gone 13 games in all competitions without winning, five straight home defeats, seven games without, uh, sorry, nine games without a win at home. And they'd only once in their previous, in their entire history, previously gone 10 games without a win at home at Loftus Road, and that was in the 60s. If you can't get yourself up to beat a team like that, then it probably speaks for the mental fragility, but I also think it speaks for just a complete and utter, utter kind of meh attitude amongst that group of players. It's not necessarily all talent. Well, that's, that's, that, that's the big reason that we're, um, we're unhappy. The players just didn't seem to be putting the effort in that was required to win the game. It wasn't necessarily the fact that, that the system was new to them. It was more like they just didn't seem to... Give a shit. <laughs> Equally, I would say, um, you know, if, if any of us had, I think someone said that Ismail Asar has had 10 or 11 head coaches since he came here and he arrived in, what, 2019? If any of us had that in our jobs, you'd think, bloody hell, what is the point? I'm just going to phone it in and pick up my wage. So, you know, I do try and look at it from a, kind of my own perspective I suppose as well and, and try and apply some human element to it but even so it was pathetic yeah I think also too like there was definitely in that second half there was there was a little bit more energy from the players I thought you could tell there was you know some words exchanged at half time but I think also too QPR were, were, were getting pretty fatigued they were they were dead in their legs I know obviously the time wasting and everything that went through was very apparent um, but they they were an ugly side, and it was much like Preston. Uh, you know, we're playing against a team that they're, they're not great. <laughs> they're giving the ball away to us a lot. I mean, they had a fifty one percent pass accuracy. You know, they're, they're not retaining the ball and, and and getting us off. We've got plenty of opportunities to to kind of wrestle control of that game if if we can, uh, and we failed to do so. And you know, effort and and applications. One thing we've seen at at, at points this season of the village where it's good, but the you know that we were missing the finer details, and it still wasn't coming together. And I thought yesterday as a, you know, it wasn't good. It wasn't good enough in in a lot of ways. But you'd expect even with, I think the frustration comes from you'd expect even with a, a new coach, new system, and so on, you still expect more from that group of players. We've got talent available now. There's there's players there that have played for us in the Premier League that you know have come from from decent standard leagues. They've played at higher levels. They've got a lot of potential, a lot of promise, and we just don't look like a team uh, and it's it's hard to nail down especially when the majority of our exposure to these these you know these these guys is through the 90 minutes of the game they play we don't get to see them in training and how they kind of operate you know off the field and around each other but we look fragmented and we just doesn't doesn't look like a unit there's no togetherness that i can see in that group right now and that's one of the things wilder's got to try and correct in this time how can he create something like that because we we're gonna to have to see it, you know. We've got a game against Birmingham coming up in just in you know, a couple of days, and it's 
it has to happen fast. And I think that's, you know, as we said before in, in the previous podcast, we knew that it's going to be tough for Wilder to get his, his thoughts across and get everything kind of embedded straight away. These first couple of games aren't about that. They're about making this team win or, or you know, at least putting themselves in position to win in non-perfect measures. You know, it might it might look something similar to what we saw against West Brom, but they have to be getting results and they have to be applying themselves because that's our objective. If we don't, if we don't do that over these couple of games, we don't manage to get something together, then it doesn't matter if we manage to get it together in three or four games' time because it's going to be too late. We have to kind of find a way to just be effective now and you'd expect the players there to be, to be able to do that to at least some some degree. But against QPR, it looked far, far from it. After the game, Chris Ward was asked if he knows the players better now after having seen them play. And uh, he said that he, he certainly did. Um, I think the subtext there was he is going to get into them because he, he wasn't happy with their attitude. But... Um, do you think that he has the ability to to turn this around, Tom? Before we um, we 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 watched the game, we spoke uh, about whether they'll get this bounce because uh, you know perhaps they're so used to seeing managers coming in now that you know it doesn't mean the same to them as 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 it would to other players in another team. Uh, how is Chris Wilder going to turn this team around, given the? the history that we've had at the club. I think this is the one good thing about him coming in on this kind of very clearly uh, defined short-term contract with a very clear mission. He doesn't have to come here and make friends. He's just in win-now mode. He is just in come in and do whatever it takes. Performances are nice. Results are better at this stage of the season. No one is going to remember in 50 years' time if we squeak into the playoffs on the final day squeak through to the final uh, on penalties and then win the final on penalties. You know, people just go, oh, do you remember how Chris Wilder came in and, and got them going? So whatever kind of, I almost think it's beyond tactics at this point in a, in a sense without being too reductive. But And I hate this argument when pundits say this on the radio or the telly or podcasts or whatever. But I uh, started with radio there because I'm thinking, I'm looking at you, talk sport, But... Um, you know, they say it's kind of, oh, we've got, got to get back to basics, get them fighting, get them working hard for each other. But I, I do think it's that because we can all point at the holes in this squad. You know, anyone can really that's seen us play this season. But there are still talented players in there. So I think he needs to find a, a common ground with them to get them working hard and pulling in the same direction and just fighting for 10 more games now is what it ultimately is. Even if that's just to get their ticket out of the club and B, find a way to unlock that attack because there are extremely good players in the attack. You know, we know the deficiencies, as I say, but if you can find a framework to unlock that attack, you're laughing. But we just haven't been able to do that all season. We've only scored 41 goals this season. Um, That's the third game in a row without a goal. That's it. Third game in a row without a goal. And we've all talked about how the front end of the team is like a Ferrari and the rear end of the team is like a bloody... Robin Reliant, but it, <laughs> you know the Ferrari needs to actually needs to actually get going at some point. So uh, I think that's that that would be the two key kind of things for me. Um, but that is probably oversimplifying it if I'm if I'm completely honest. 
I like the car analogy, Tom. I think we've probably upgraded the Robin Reliant halfway through the season, though. I, 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 yeah, it's now Fiat 500. Fiat 500 now, yeah, that's, that's better. It can, it can be quite a classy car, you know, on its day. <laughs> but certainly that Ferrari is um, looking like one of those rubbish 90s Ferraris that, that no one really wants. It's the Ferrari and Friends that Joey's trying to convince women that is belongs to him. Uh, and then they pull the, the... Oh, no, not the Ferrari, the Porsche... And then he pulls the cover off and it's just a load of boxes in the shape of a Porsche. <laughs> There's one for the kids. We do like to include our friends' references in this <laughs> podcast. So yeah. I'm glad we nice, got that one in. Nice. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that's, t- that's a terrible impression. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, that's, that's all I got. Right, okay. Um, so, th- same question to you, really, uh, Jordan. Can... Can Chris Wilder get this team to to play together? Yeah, I mean, look, I think he can. I, I think it. This is exactly what you said. It's how quickly can he do it? That how quickly can he get get the team moving like he wants them to? And you know, I think as well, we have to we have to allow for that for sure. And I think, as Tom says, I hate to say it too, but there is a back to basic element, I guess, um, that we have to kind of accept as well. But you know, we didn't see that yet. So can we? I think we can. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Birmingham is at least we see some indication, just a few of the, you know, a, a couple of traits, a couple of things we see coming through that we, you can build a little bit of confidence from. You know, it's it's not necessarily a must win, but it's pretty much as as close as you can get to being one. Um, but you know, it's it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I think the thing is, as a fan base, we've probably lost a lot of faith in this group of players, even though we have talent. You know, we talk about the attacking talent we have. Yeah, we know that we know what they can do, but we've probably seen them not do it more than we've seen them do it for for quite a while. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough one, but it's going to be fascinating to kind of see how it plays out because you'd think there'd be a, quite a few twists and turns in this uh, this kind of little mini season we find ourselves in. We'll definitely see more passion and fight on the pitch against Birmingham. Troy Deeney's coming back to Vicarage Road. He'll provide it. That that's the joke. That's the joke. He'll provide it. I hope so. Sorry. <laughs> I hope he, he's going to score against us, isn't he? Oh, of course he is. Is this the first time that he'll have played against us? First, well, certainly first time at Vicarage Road. Did he not play against us at? Um, at uh, St Andrews. He did at St Andrews, yeah, he did. What's the reception going to be like? Good, I hope, because he deserves it. Yeah, he'll get good reception. Um, and I think, do you know what, the fact that we can't kind of identify with this lot and are so generally frustrated will only exacerbate that in a sense. People will, I, I would imagine, go that extra 5% because they'll appreciate that for all his flaws and you know he was clearly tapering off as a player by the time he left um there was somebody who gave a, a hoot worked 100%. his knackers off etc etc you know what i mean like people you don't appreciate what you have until it's gone i think that's very true with troy Deeney. not the saying crowd. he should come back yeah but he will get a good reception without a doubt as you say us being in a, in a difficult kind of turn like difficult run right now it's going to increase that even more, I think, when it comes to reception of Dini, because he does emphasise what really has been the best time in recent history, and certainly the best time under Gino's ownership has been. You know, when it's prime Troy Dini in his career, also tied in with our most successful period. So yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of that. 
Uh, and I think in a weird way, it will it will improve the feeling around the ground. It will improve the atmosphere a little bit. And I think, you know, it's an opportunity to see if, if Chris Wilder can give the fans something, you know, just something to cling on to. It doesn't have to be perfect, but there's just something to cling on to. But a question I was going to ask as well, do you think that we lack to... Do you think we'll, he'll maybe try and lean into, even if it's not starting, but having some of that youth around to try and kind of maybe spark something, whether it's... Could even be someone like Yasser Espria, but even what um, Slavin did with uh, with young Toby there, and see if you can get someone involved just to kind of give you a little bit of that passion and energy you might need. It certainly wouldn't be the worst move. I think in a similar kind of way to people were accepting of maybe not having a great season under Rob Edwards, but seeing a pathway and seeing a culture change. I think people are a lot more forgiving of youngsters and you know players that we identify with. That will probably be whatever happens this season, other than promotion. Somehow, that would that will be the moment of the season, won't it? That or that or Luton, I suppose, which could get wiped out at their place in a couple of weeks' time. You know, so yeah, cynically, I, I could I could definitely see that making sense. Yeah, well, that makes sense definitely. I, I don't think he will actually. Um, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with what you said previously, Tom. That he is here to do the the nasty stuff just to get the team winning uh and i don't think he will really have a consideration for the youngsters because that's not going to be his his remit he's not here to progress them he's here to get wins at all costs and i don't think he's going to consider the youth players as as players that can assist in that but i, I could be wrong there but um fringe is available you know if if it's a toss up between someone fairly plodding but senior or Toby Adeyemo for example who's a youngster exciting unknown quantity etc I'd probably go for the 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 young lad you know if I'm trying to think who that kind of alternative substitute might be based on who we've got available but well, Asim Balunga coming on. Oh, the well, yeah, if, exactly. Isn't going to come on. Yeah, then, exactly. And the, I'm not, I'm not the guy that calls for the the youth camera players, especially not at this club. I don't, I generally don't really rate the quality we've been producing recently in terms of getting into the first team. Even, you know, when it comes to some of those that have made appearances this year for us. But I'm just trying to think of different ways that he can approach this because when it when it comes to Chris Wilder coming in here, you know, he's a win. It's a win now situation. I don't really think. I mean, he did it at Borough. That's the thing. He managed to get into Borough and he, he did turn things around really quickly. So he can do it. But I think if you look at it on paper, you wouldn't necessarily assume that he's the guy to do that. However, there is a history for him doing it. So perhaps he can. But just one quick tangent, just kind of go off from that a little bit. I think with Wilder, you know, when we, we had that question last episode asking who we would like as a manager going forward, obviously the day before we sat Billich and so on and replaced him with Wilder. Um, but in case you didn't listen to that, we one of the kind of points that we did touch on too is having someone that could potentially even be um, be that kind of that bridge coach through that transitional period we're going through. Because in my opinion, this transition of the club is going to take at least four windows to get you looking somewhere, you know, looking to be where you'd like to be. You might have a good run in between, or you might kind of push for you know promotion where you may not have expected to necessarily but I think for us to really start to build something this could take a couple of seasons in my opinion and in that time you might want uh, a coach who can kind of ease that transition and, and also set the kind of groundwork for that younger or kind of 
more progressive coach coming in eventually down the road or someone a little bit more in line with what the club's probably long-term goals are. I think Wild is a good candidate for that. And, you know, the deal is only for a couple of months right now. It's to the, rest of, to, the end, to the end of the season, sorry. But, you know, I think at some point the question will be asked whether the club will look to even, you know, start to potentially think about going down a different path and seeing if he is someone that could even be that guy in the in, in the kind of more medium term rather than just these few months. I know it's weird to talk about extending Chris Wilder after a debut loss at QPR, but I'm just trying to think about different um, different ways that we could approach this and even ways we might be able to get more more positive out of uh, out of Chris Wilder. Okay, cool. Um in lead up to this pod we uh, sent out a request for some questions and we're gonna go through some of them now. Uh, if that's okay with you guys. Mm. Mm-hmm. Shoot. Fire away. Yeah. Cool. Let, let's start off with uh, Peter Elson then, at Wrong Liner, who asks, how many of the current squad would you keep? Names, please. Lone players included. Should we start with the um, with the, with the goalkeeper? So I think back when stays. Um, I mean, he's a, a fairly decent championship goalkeeper. Yes, I think we'd like to improve him. Um, or bring in somebody to um, to at least battle for that position because clearly uh, it hasn't worked out with um... Okoye. But yeah, I think Backman certainly stays to, to battle for that place, right? In the championship. In the championship, that's the key. That's the key word there. Agreed. I can't recall what his contract situation is, but there's a... Yeah, I mean, I think he's probably not one you move on from immediately. I think we're pretty happy with the, the central defence area at the minute although it could do with um, supplementing particularly if we're going to go for a back three now so how many would you keep of, of, of let's say the, the starting three that we had at the weekend keep all those guys yeah I'd keep all those guys I'd maybe extend Cathcart one year but you want you want another starter yeah another starter um, other other centre-backs we have less yeah other centre-backs been off Cabasele to go you get rid of as well would you Mm, I guess not. I'm just trying to get through this a little quicker. I like the idea of Sierra Alta more than I like the reality. I actually just don't think he's been particularly good yeah. for. He said or played he's, much for essentially for two Sierra seasons okay. now. I'm kind of clinging to the he's memory okay. he's, of he's him in the right circumstances. Okay, in the, in the centre of that back three, then then we could we could talk about it. I'd say Matty Pollock. Yeah. No, just getting playing football. Yeah, he probably needs a League One loan, doesn't he? Loan or sell. No, loan, loan. He's only young. Okay. Um, so right, right, right wing back. If we're sticking with three five two, so we've yeah. got Ferreira, Ngakia, and um, Gaspar. Honestly, I wouldn't be sad Keep... if any of them left. <laughs> I like Ferreira. To be fair, keep Ferreira. The rest can go. Rest can go. Yeah. yeah agreed. I yeah. think Ferreira is actually a good player. I think he'll. He might. I I'm think just he's. Being mean. Yeah. Okay. Left side. So we've got Kamara, um, and we've got. If you want to class Semmer as a left wing back, yeah. um, am I forgetting somebody? Oh yeah, Morris. Yeah, keep Semmer. Rest can go. Keep Semmer. Rest can go. Yeah, agreed. Honestly, agree. Kamara. I just think it's a bit like Cabasali now. Again, taking it from Twitter, but you know, there's just that weight of feeling against him, isn't there? Uh, Morris isn't the long term answer, is it? I think it. I think it's hard to to keep Morris now that he's had championship experience. We know what he is. It, it it it's hard to that to now say right. Okay, we're we're putting you out on loan yeah, to a league one side or something. If you could find a loan for him to another championship side, maybe 
no chance. I still think best case situation for him currently, I think is a, is a league team, really? team coming in for him as a permanent, honestly. I would say probably. Um, yeah, agreed. He's 21, he needs to just go and play 46 games somewhere. Yeah, and Kamara, I think, is a good player. I don't think he's a smart player, though. And I think we need, if you're pushing if you're pushing towards the end of, a, you know, if your ultimate goal is promotion, I don't think you can really afford these sorts of players. And as talented as they are, you know, he's got he's got the ability to play in, in one of Europe's top five divisions, but you know he doesn't appear to be quite heavily hampered if you just have you know if you just dumb on the field and make too many mistakes. I don't just mean errors with the ball. You know we've seen the the sending offs and the it, yeah he he can be good for you, but for every Burnley you get too many mistakes. I think I'd move on from him, especially with um, you know we don't we've got a clear breakaway should we need it. If, yeah, he can go to Udinese and they can they can sell from there if if that's the plan. But I think we could do better, personally. Central midfield. So we're talking about loser, Kone, Chowdhury. It goes back anyway, um, unless you try and sign him. Cleverly, Gosling, uh, Kayembe, Tom Delibashiro. Yeah. Okay. So loser stays. Yeah. Loser and Kone are the loser and Kone are the ones that have to stay. Hamza, I think the fee is actually not terrible for us. If if we have, depending on the coaching situation, depending on the play style we're looking to implement, you could do worse at championship level than Hamza Chowdhury. I think it was, if it's an option, you could explore it. Um, apart from that, you know, I think all of those players have the potential to leave. Some will stay out of necessity, but I think you could see any of them going. You know, Gosling's cleverlies. I don't fancy Dan Gosling coming back off an Achilles injury. Tom Cleverley is not available enough. Tom Dilibashiri is promising but had a lot of injuries. And even when he was playing, wasn't really looking himself. So, you know, I think they're all players you could potentially move from. Kayembe we're probably stuck with anyway, so he's probably going to stay. Can't um, believe you forgot Leandro Bakuna. Bakuna can go. <laughs> Bakuna, yeah, he can go. Um, and... Yeah, I think apart from that, you know, I, I think it's a, a position, a position group we need to improve in the summer and and really reshape because right now it's a bit bleak, I'd say. Wingers, so Saar, Mateus Martins. Um, we've already mentioned Semmer as a potential left wing back, so uh, that's done. Uh, Kalu, who else is a winger that we have? Um. That's it, I think, yeah. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. 
That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. I think Semmer stays. The rest are probably gone. Yeah. Martins? Gone. Yeah, alone. You think, what, you don't think he's done enough to to suggest he's it? He's played about once, I, is he? It? Yeah, but he's a young lad, isn't he? He's on loan. Yeah, he is, but I don't, I don't, yeah, he's on loan, so I, I, I don't know what their plans will be for next year. You know, he's one that you might be able to get back on on the books if you need another body there, but um, it, unclear whether we'll be wanting to do that by the end of the season. You know, maybe he'll get a chance at the Wilder, but the thing is, I don't think we're going to get a chance really to see him now before uh, the end of the season when we have to reassess that decision. So I, it's a tough one, really. He's one that could come back, but in terms of ones that I definitely expect to be back, I really only see Senna out of those that I would expect to be definitely here next year. Great. Okay. Uh, up front, and we'll, we'll class Pedro as a striker just so that we can name him. So obviously Pedro stays in an ideal world, but it's likely that he's not going to stay, we suspect, right? I mean, if you're Pedro, you're not staying around for another year, are you? If you've got a choice. If, if I think if you're Watford, you have to sell, really. I think it's in the club's interest to sell. As good as he is, he's not winning. He can't carry us through as we are now. And we're not probably going to be better next season if we retain him. So That was a sell to Saar as well, by the way. Did we, we mentioned Saar in the last one, yeah? So, yes, um, up from, we've also got uh, Davis not worth the money is he he's not he can't justify the the fee can you what is it about seven and a half million or something isn't it so no it's 15 is it yeah i think i'm pretty sure it's 15 let me recheck this because after my wesley Hoot, i might be conf- i no, i, thought, I might I, be I, I thought it was 15 football manager because i've just i have just signed him permanently <laughs> on football manager but, um, <laughs> I, I paid you're keeping raymond i well yeah i <laughs> i paid seven for Keenan Davis, I think three and a half up front, and the rest on clauses. There you go, little tip for football manager. <laughs> Maybe they got something similar. Um, nice. Yeah. So Davis is a no. Raymond I no. Bio no. Sombolonga no. Arroj will be going back to Benfica. Our depth chart is very thin. And what I will say quickly on Pedro, just to kind of, because I did just quickly dismiss giving getting rid of Pedro, I do think for the interest of the club, you know, obviously you've got the cash up front, which you need, but I think to kind of get back the reputation of the football club and get us kind of on course where we want to be, I think we do have to show ourselves as being a, a, a genuine team that can improve you and, and give the opportunity to get in the shop window and go somewhere big. You know, there's talk of AC Milan being interested, a move like that would be perfect for us and perfect for him. Um, that would be ideal. So I think you have to sell this summer, even though the player's great, obviously he's our best player, he can contribute a lot. I think we have to, even if you're not necessarily going to get all that money to reinvest into the first team, it's a multi-year project to, to restructure the squad. And I think if you can get a big asset 
with some decent money coming in then you can kind of restructure things i think it's just a natural break time for 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 pedro to move uh, in the summer that's just my opinion obviously in the ideal world it'd be great if he stayed but i think we have to probably start looking at that as a real possibility well, that's quite shocking, isn't it? How many players that we're actually we we want to keep? I mean, it's going to be a massive overhaul in the summer. It's a big it's a big job, you know. I mean, technically, Manga and Costa's role was isn't really kicking into effect until the summertime, um, when they kind of get the the control they'd expect to have. But yeah, there's there's a lot of work to be done. They have to be very very busy. So. It will be an interesting summer at the very least. Okay, well, thanks, Peter, for that question. I uh, really enjoyed going through that one. Um, next one is from Mikey Abrahams. Is there precedent anywhere in the history of football for a team to just not bother employing a manager and letting the players just do what they want? I say that because it feels like we're halfway there and the money saved on head coach wages and payouts could be handy. Just need someone to hand the team shit in, don't you? Yeah. I'm not aware of one, but you know what? I'd say maybe the, the next best thing would be um, doing the old <laughs> doing the old Niall Quinn when he came in at Sunderland all those years ago with the Drummerville Consortium. They said they were going to appoint a world-class manager, waited weeks and weeks, couldn't get one, so he took over as an interim solution, lost, I think, every game, including going out the League Cup to Bury, and then they appointed Roy Keane. So maybe Gino needs a little crack He'll go in the hot seat himself to realise that actually it does take a bit of skill and nous and that's it, exactly. Establish that he can't and go from there. And if that's the the uh, the, the the kind of the thing that we need to go through to get to where we want to, I'm I'm here for it. Noel Quinn was a very decent striker though back in his day. I mean has has well, there, Potter there is played that, football? Yes. <laughs> Not at any level that I'm aware of, no. <laughs> He's out of the broken ankle right now, isn't he? Is he? Oh, is he? Is that why he was in um, in Italy? Um, maybe it's not public knowledge. Oh, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it needs to be. A I don't think that's a secret worthy thing. Oh, is this why he's not been over here much? Yeah, he's had. I don't know if he had surgery in his ankle, but he's having. Yeah, he broke his. Oh ankle. well, as someone who has previously uh, broken their ankle and had surgery on it, I uh, I feel a certain kinship, so I will let him off any criticism. <laughs> he doesn't feel it with you. <laughs> oh right, doesn't oh he's a you peasant. <laughs> Oh, he's a complete prick. <laughs> Fucking doing a terrible job. <laughs> cool. All right then. Um, cool. Thanks for that one, Mikey. Um, I don't think there is a precedent, but I wouldn't be. I wouldn't mind, to be honest. I don't. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I saw someone suggesting that we bring back Troy Deeney as manager next year, and I think I'd rather go with the no manager situation. <laughs> see how that one works first. Well, you don't want the him and Luther dream team. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, the th- the thing is too. I saw like, you see someone suggesting someone like that. Gino is the the worst person that Gino could appoint is someone that's ultimately unsackable in the view of the fans. And you know, it's just. Mm. I'm not sure what it was you was listening to, Tom. But did you say that that somebody suggested that they wanted a, a younger coach, a, a more progressive younger coach to come in, and then at the next breath they said Luther. Well, yeah, someone. <laughs> Someone said on, that's it, on Do Not Scratch Your Eyes said, you know, they they don't identify with Chris Wilde. He's just a 50-year-old something, 50-something-year-old bloke. They need someone that they, um, yeah, they need someone that they identify with. What they should do is get Luther in. I'm thinking, 
bloody hell, Craig Cathcart and Tom Cleverley are probably the only people that realise who Luther Blissett is and what his significance is. Maybe some of the other kind of British players that haven't been here a while would be like, oh yeah, Luther Blissett, he's a Watford legend. But equally, having just seen Anthony Robinson of Fulham say that he doesn't know who John Motson is and he grew up in this country, um, I'm not sure, you know, I'm trying to think of an English player, that Jeremy Ngakia knows who Luther Blissett is to Watford. So, yeah, that one did tickle me, I have to say. Plus, plus Luther Blissett is like 10 years older than, uh, than well, there Chris is Wilder that. anyway. Uh, I think so. the only level he's... He's a, young, he's a young 65, but I feel like Chris Wilder's an, like an old 55 yeah, in some ways. I think but. the last time Luther Blissett was a manager, he was Cheshire manager as well, so I'm not, I'm not sure... Oh, that. he's actually done it before, has he? I didn't realise yeah, he managed. Yeah, when I used to go to Cheshire with my mate, he was manager for a tiny bit. I don't think oh. he was overly successful. Um, that was just you know uh, 15 years ago so you know, I, I'm not sure that quite qualifies into managing the championship at this stage uh, next question that comes from Ed J uh, at Somerset Hornet hi guys what's your thoughts on impact of manga slash Costa on transfer activity are certain moves slash attempts for example Sissoko evidence of short term deals to get us through this season versus longer term strategy of buying promising players is manga having an impact is finance needed? Problem there, Ed, is you've, assumed, you've used the word strategy, which assumes there is any strategy in what we've done so far. I think it would be really interesting to know. I don't have any insight. There are a lot of people out there saying, oh, I've heard that Ben Manga's rubbing people up the wrong way. I've heard that we signed Hoot because um, they weren't happy with Ben Manga's suggestions, blah, blah, blah. No one or very few people truly know I think, um, but I think it'd be kind of hard to judge them on this window just gone, wouldn't it? I can't imagine they've come straight in and been responsible for all, whatever it was, seven signings. They might have, you know, had a bit of say on one or two or in terms of identifying targets, but I, I find it hard to believe they would have come in and, and, yeah, been responsible for a whole window like that. Yeah, they're, they're working very much within the restriction that we were working within previously. Uh, they, they've They've come in with the the intention of their real job starting in the summer. That's when things are. That's when the plans are put into place. There is a. I, I do believe they're working on the plan. We'll see how good that plan is. Um, but what when I say working on the plan, I mean putting that strategy together. You know, it's 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 not an easy thing to kind of set out your next few windows, and that's what you have to be doing. You have to be preparing for every eventuality. They're also having to prepare technically for being in possibly two leagues. That maybe becomes less and less likely now, obviously, as time goes on. But you know, that's part of the job. In terms of the recruitment we've had since they've been here, Arush and uh, Ferreira are the only two that are their signings. Uh, everyone else was was not. Um, you know, we have we have some that works within domestic recruitment at the club already. Um, you can point towards you know the likes of Porteous and he has previous connections to Bakuna as well. So you got those players coming in, but um, in terms of the, the the recent signings, you can't really look past those two players and. You know, Arouche hasn't really played much, but you know he he supposedly is a, is a talent, and and Ferreira has been injured, so it's kind of tough to kind of gauge their their impact. So I wouldn't I wouldn't look at them too negatively or positively. Yes, just yet. I think try and reserve judgment as much as you can, and then as we start to get information kind of drip fed to us over the summer, then we can really start to put our uh, put uh, put the pieces together and uh, and ha- make an actual kind of educated. Uh, kind of decision or kind of judgment on, on, on how they're handling things. Mm. With regards to the finance thing, uh, something that maybe hasn't been said of too many times that um, should be cleared up 
that uh, Watford will not be receiving um, a payment next season where, uh, from, from the parachute payments because we've already effectively cashed in on the, on the parachute payment. Tom, do you want to explain that in a bit more detail? This is the, um, the Macquarie loan, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, so I mean, this isn't uncommon in football, but I think the fact that we have gone back to Macquarie, um, which is an Australian bank, essentially as often as we have, is, is slightly concerning. And I, I, w I won't do a brilliant job, I imagine, of explaining this. So I would I would urge anyone that isn't aware of this, and I think a lot of people are now, to do two things: one, check out Kieran Maguire's feed, and search for him on Watford. Uh, he's tweeted about us plenty in recent times. He does the Price of Football pod on finance with Kevin Day, and it's really good. But he also tweets about us when we do things with Macquarie. And two, also check out Vic Bate on Twitter. Again, if you're not following him, give him a follow as well. He does a lot of digging into this sort of stuff as well and has kind of been quite hot on it. But essentially, Macquarie, are, I think Bank might be a bit kind of, of a misnomer, but a, a kind of financial group. Um, and what they do is essentially buy um, or, or, or kind of forward the money to football clubs and then uh, when the the money is kind of received down the line for transfers or uh, whatever it may be, what, what's the thing we're talking about? Parachute payments, sorry. Um, then they effectively, they get that money and, and Watford at a rate get the money ahead of time so it's quite it's quite a common thing you do see it essentially when clubs need cash sooner than they're, they're due to get it but obviously you know you you kind of pay for that facility um and Watford have taken out at least two possibly three arrangements with Macquarie now over the last kind of 12 months and I think to, to borrow something that Kira Maguire always says you know debt isn't a bad thing necessarily you just need to make sure that you can you can um, you can service it you can pay it and and that would be my concern that we are going to be in a situation where in all likelihood we will be in the championship next season and we won't have the revenue coming in from tv match day other commercial income that we might otherwise have and we're going to have to service this debt so yeah it's it's it's, it's definitely slightly concerning for me so an answer to is finance needed the answer is yes i think so i don't you know i'm not i'm far from the expert on this but you do kind of from all these little things it can't be a coincidence things like the 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 little nugget that adam leventhal put in his piece about billets you know kind of clawing a little bit more money back from the players for the food um various things you hear about kind of operational costs being scrutinised, reduced, etc. Uh, spending the the loans. We just we just paid seven fifty on billets going, didn't we? So. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So you, you know all these things, and 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 then we were obviously talking not that long ago, weren't we? About the was it American investment possibly coming tied into Udinese as well? You know, all the kind of mood music suggests that there might be a willingness to bring some finance in or just exit completely. I think there's also, there's no smoke without fire, I think, in some of those, in, in, in some of those rumours too. I think, 
you know you hear enough about potential investment there's there's generally something there and you know it could be it could be investment it could be takeover who knows but uh, I, I would say there's some level that's needed you know we have assets that we can sell and move on i believe we've still got transfer or you know portions of transfer fees we've still got to pay yet outstanding as well uh, so we have to, you know, we have to be have to be sensible, and it's hard to know what to believe because obviously we have no one that doesn't particularly talk to us. And you know, earlier on in the season, right at the beginning, we were told by the chairman that we were in a very stable position financially, and then uh, we saw situations arise to kind of contradict that statement. So it, it's tough to know, but one would assume that we we will need some financial help or, or investment to kind of reshape this team. So it's not kind of sell a couple of assets maybe be smart with your money and bring in some replacements and, and go again it is it, it's a time in the football club where we have to have quite a lot of turnover and change and that doesn't really come cheap okay cool next one from at Watford status why has Gino Pozzo deliberately wrecked years of good work up until three years ago when most fans on Twitter all knew what we needed and he reverted to trying to wing it and penny pinch all credit he had built has gone in my honest opinion I don't think it was deliberate I do think it was negligent. How about that? That this kind of feeling that he knew best and could get away with certain things and run it a certain way has all come home to roost. Has it ruined the legacy entirely? I think a lot of people say, oh, you know, throw this kind of be careful what you wish for phrase around to kind of mock those who say we've had it worse in the past, look at the bloke he bought the club off of. I think we should always be, have the kind of awareness to remember back to then, but be open-minded enough to kind of scrutinise and criticise where necessary now. So that's my position, certainly, that he's still in the black in terms of kind of position with me, but he's in real, real, real danger of, leaving a pretty pretty sour taste in the mouth if and when he uh, sells up and moves on I think too like you know he's it's obviously not deliberate I think you kind of nailed it really is that there's a level of negligence and I think too he's, he's ultimately he's a businessman it, it requires levels of of risk and and kind of gambling to to essentially succeed it's not that you can have a there's no clear route to success in football. There's always elements of risk when it comes to winning a club that you have to take. And we've definitely erred on the side of caution in a few on a few occasions, and it's definitely cost us. But by the same token, the seasons where we've been successful, we've also done the same thing, and and we've been successful doing it. So I think there's also an element too for me personally of, of times moving on and, and people that he trusted in the past with certain aspects of running the club and certain input maybe don't have the value they once had and maybe aren't as effective as they once were. And I think we've definitely aged somewhat from being one of the more advanced teams in terms of the way we operate to falling behind and actually becoming somewhat of a dinosaur within football terms uh, in, in certain aspects of the club. So I think, you know, it takes something... It's not uncommon for for those that have had success in a certain industry to try and repeat that success even when those around them are moving on. I think that's kind of why we, where we find ourselves a little bit. Uh, so it's also very difficult too when you have someone that's so in tune or sorry, so entwined with the football club. You know, Gino's at the training ground. He has a tra- is a, an office at the training ground. He's very involved with day-to-day operations. Uh, and that kind of level of involvement can sometimes be blinding to someone in his position and, you know, perhaps gives a certain element of investment from a personal standpoint, which isn't always necessarily helpful to the team. And, 
look, we are we we are where we are now, and we have to try and find a way around it. But it's it's not an, an easy job, and we have to kind of try and be aware of that too. But you know, as you say, there there are situations where I think fans have been justified in their feelings, and we've kind of been proven right too. Okay, cool. Uh, this question comes from Watford Data Hub. What positions, one by one, do we need to recruit for next year to stand a chance to be in the playoffs? Considering Wilder is still here and three four one two three five two is the formation of choice. We kind of did that one um, earlier as we went through uh, Peter Elson's one of saying what current squad will we keep. But um, just to touch, I suppose, on the positions that we need to recruit for. Um, yeah, I th- I think I think rather than going by going through you know one by one, obviously it's tough too because you know technically Wilder's only here to the summer at this point. So who knows? I think the thing is that I think what I will say to kind of answer the question as best we can. Um, the first thing we've got to establish is if if Manga does have the remit to you know decide on the next kind of trajectory of this team in terms of the way we operate. Um, from a playing style perspective and what sort of coach we bring in, then firstly that's got to be established. And then from there, you know, if he, I'm sure he's established that already, but once we are kind of aware of that, then we've got a better idea of what sort of positions we need to improve on in terms of kind of the more minute details. Um, because right now, obviously, we need quite a few and it's it's maybe difficult for us to say uh, without knowing what we're going to be doing. But there are a couple of positions that we kind of identified earlier on there in regards to you know striking position the winging position the wingers or even you know midfield too looking very very thin and in their positions it doesn't matter what sort of coach you get in everyone needs more than one strike and we could seriously find ourselves in that position if we you know if we get to the end of the season and and these players go as as we expect them to so it's a lot of positions it's not just a couple tweaks not just a couple of additions it's uh it's a real rework and you know that is dependent on on kind of how we move forward and what what sort of shape will be taken uh, from the summertime but it's, it's it's a lot of incomings i'd have to say tom yeah agreed i think whatever happens we have to as jordan said sort out the strikers sort out the wide players left back is a concern center half you know wouldn't be opposed to some more changes there right back wouldn't be a change opposed to some more changes there um and actually central midfield has been a, a problem for a while now and it's probably the 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 weakest concentrated positional area as things stand. So I think it's I think it's basically everywhere except goalkeeper, which I think if some fans had their way, there'd be a change there as well. So Well you could argue you could even make an argument there's an argument that could be had for goalkeeper too. So this is I appreciate the question for sure and it's you know it's one that I think we'd like to answer again for you um as we get a little further on into the summer, maybe in the off season we could we could have a look at that again. And yeah, I was going to say, once we know who's leaving at the end of their contracts and loans and that sort of stuff, we can probably take a bit more of a educated guess yeah. at it, can't we? Will the recruitment department, Jordan, have already been told what the plan is to play next season? And so they'll be looking for that or will they just be looking for whatever the current head coach is deciding to play? And... Well, this is, a, I mean, in in theory, the the practice is... You know, it's obviously a slightly different situation because we are in that transitional phase. But if you're working optimally, other clubs that have been in similar situations that I'm, that, you know, I'm familiar with, the idea would be for Ben Manga right now, he's establishing, you know, what have you got? What what assets do you have on your team you can build around that you're not necessarily selling? What's your, you know, your prime assets you've got here? 
what the, the direction that modern football is going what are your primary money makers obviously we've got good access to south american uh, forwards we've had good success there that's a good money maker for you so okay how do we facilitate these players to kind of push the club forwards what's the most effective way of playing you know what are we seeing what trends are we seeing in the leagues you know what are we seeing from teams that are going up and getting into premier league and also sustaining and adapting once they're there and and that's we kind of you know we've maybe found ourselves in that in that situation with rob edwards but understanding primarily what your objective is to to bring in from a footballing sense and then from there then you decide your head coach simultaneously you can be deciding the players because ultimately it doesn't matter if you get option a b c or d of the head coaches if in general they're looking to play in a similar way your recruitment can be aligned with those coaches regardless of which one you get and you have to be adaptable because we're not going to get our first target every time from a player standpoint or from a coach standpoint so at this point of the season right now if 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 you're looking at what what Ben Manga is, is most likely doing. I'd imagine he's got an idea, yes, which hopefully is de- derived from his own um, intentions because it does seem like he's got a large role as technical director. And he's now working on the process of, of bringing in players that will suit that style of play and, and, and the head coach accordingly. Is Giretta still at the club? Is he still doing anything? He's technically at the club. I, I was I was under the impression he wasn't at the training ground anymore, but he apparently he may well be. He was at the game on Saturday. Um, he's still there in some capacity, but he's definitely not going to be here after the summer, is, is my understanding of that. Do you think he's hampering in any way what, ben, what Manga is trying to do at the minute? I can't imagine it helps. I, I, there's probably a somewhat of a passing over the torch situation going on right now, which is unhealthy, I would say, given the responsibilities of that role. But, you know, if Giretta's is focusing anything, it's the current and the immediate, which I'm not really sure how much impact he can have there because generally a technical director is looking more kind of down the line in a lot of ways. Or the majority of his work is to to increase or to improve the club ongoing. So I'm not really sure what Giretta's day-to-day operations will look like now. Um, but he is still technically employed. Unless they sack him, you know, it's hard. He's still there, I guess. So... Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what he's going, to, what he's looking like or what he's doing right now, but it, it can't help, is what I'd say. Okay, cool. Um, Birmingham up next on Tuesday and uh, reunited with Troy Deeney. We mentioned that already earlier on in the show, but uh, it'll be nice to see Deeney again. Let's just hope he doesn't uh, come back to bite us. Don't hold your breath. If he gets a penalty, is he going down the middle? Yes. I think the biggest question is, is, is he celebrating? Also, yes. Yeah, yeah? you think he's celebrating? A million percent. I think I can't blame him celebrating. I reckon there's a bit of residual resentment from how it kind of all ended there, you know. I, I would be surprised if he didn't Troy, celebrate. One thing one thing I'd say about Troy Deeney, I get the impression that he reads everything. And he's one of those guys that probably read the, a lot of the comments about him and he took it very I feel like he took it very personally at times we didn't need to in my opinion he's a prime candidate for don't read the comments right well fingers crossed uh, he doesn't listen to the show <laughs> oh no I hope he does listen to the show we haven't really said anything bad about no Troy, I don't, I don't think so I don't think so if anyone has it's maybe me. when he was playing still we had a few but valid criticisms I say yeah, to date, best penalty taker that I've ever seen for Watford. I wish I wish they all took it like that. Yeah, can't argue. Right, okay then, cool guys. Uh, thanks very much for, for joining me today. Um, it's a difficult one to talk about, especially as we had such high hopes. But look, there's still plenty of games left to go. Um, how many have we got? Is it 10 left? 
So, you know, 10 games, 30 points to play for, um, six points to make up to the playoffs. It's it, it's going to be tricky, but um, hopefully Chris Wilder can can stir up something from from that dreadful performance and, and we can see something a bit more closer to what we were hoping for on Tuesday night. One one last thing, snap, snap, um, snap decision, result, Tuesday, go, Matt. 3-0 um, defeat. Tom? They don't score that many. 1-0 defeat. Alright, I'm going to go for a 1-0 win. Nice. This is not normal. Normally Matt's the positive one. Matt's the most negative. I'm concerned about yeah. this. <laughs> Everything's been switched around. I'm normally we might actually in between. Win. Yeah, this is a good sign. Alright, we're going to end it there. Okay. Well, <laughs> from myself, from Jordan and from Tom, we've been the Watford Buzz podcast. We've uh, been delighted to bring this one to you. Um, and uh, we look forward to to uh, to see you again next time. Speak again soon. Bye bye.